0: So one of the things that you might have noticed from the last 18 months is it's really hard to plan. Do you plan for the vacation or do you not? Do you plan on going into work or not? Like It was hard for a while, and even to some degree now, to plan for what's coming up in the future. And here's something I noticed, and here's where we're going to go for today's message. When your plans are kicked out the window, that's when your priorities kick in, when it's when your plans aren't able to happen, that's when your internal priorities start to govern your choices and your decisions. And as we look at the road ahead, I mean, there's always going to be uncertainty in the road ahead, and you can do your best to plan things out, and you should. It's, it's good stewardship of your time and resources to plan out what you want your future to look like. But plans will ultimately lead you to a place where you didn't think they would go. Plans will ultimately not work out the way you wanted some of the time. And so here's where we're going for today. When it comes to the road ahead and how we plan for our future and prepare for the things that we're unprepared for, what we know is that priorities are the key for navigating the road ahead. But here's the thing. We could talk all about priorities and here's where your priorities should be and here's what you should do. But what I've learned from myself is that when I go through and try to rearrange the priorities in my life, it lasts for maybe a couple of weeks, and then I kind of revert to the same old jumbled mess that it used to be. Have you, found out, have you found that to be true for yourself? Like you went through this awakening moment where you're like, oh man, my priorities are all mixed up, and maybe you rearrange some things and fixed it, only to find a month or a year later it's just back to its jumbled mess. So as you think about the priorities that really help you navigate the moments where your plans just don't work, there's actually something deeper that governs your priorities. What we're going to get to today has everything to do with your purpose. I would put it this way. If I was able to see your personal calendar, not just the things on your calendar, but really how you spent your time and when you spent your time on certain things, I would be able to tell what you believe your purpose is. I'll put it this way for for number one if you're taking notes. What you believe about your purpose in life, your purpose for why you're here, is shown through how you set your priorities. What you believe about your purpose comes through in your priorities. Let me give some examples of this since it's kind of... I know we're getting deep, like, right away. Um, Some examples of this. Um, So if you're a parent, and if your priority is to make sure that your child makes it to every event and every camp and everything and that your well-being is beneath that if if your well-being is a lesser priority here's what might be true you might decide that your purpose is to make your child a success and i'm not saying that's a bad purpose but i'm saying you're setting yourself up for a purpose you can't fulfill Here's another thing. If, if I look at your calendar, or if you look at my calendar, and you'd see all these hours, extra hours spent at work, or extra hours spent on work at home, but then the lesser priority was family. What you might say is that your purpose is to meet the expectations of the people you work for. And then your family is beneath that. You see, our purpose, how we believe our purpose is, will often shape the way we set our own priorities. And what I want to do today is simply let Jesus challenge you on that, because I know this last week, he certainly challenged me. He doesn't just step into your life and say, hey, child, I love what you're trying to do here, but you need more time with family and less time here. You need more time at work and less time with this. He doesn't just step in and rearrange your priorities, like with 10 commandments or something like that. He steps into your life to realign your purpose. What is your purpose? And when you have that figured out, then you are in a place to navigate the changes on the road ahead and establish some priorities that will keep you focused toward your goal. And as we look at, I'll just give this disclaimer as we get into this section for today. It's a, it's a tough section Uh, a year ago, a little over a year ago, we had a series called Tough or Hard Sayings of Jesus. And this was close to being on the list because it's, it's not easy. It, it's it's kind of tough. And for, for most of the message, you might be feeling kind of glum. Like, oh yeah, that's true. But it kind of leaves you with an uneasy feeling. I just want to acknowledge that up front, but we're going to resolve it by the end. And the big thing we're looking for is simply an answer to this question. What is your purpose. If you're a Christian, you know the answer. What is your purpose? Your purpose is to share Jesus. Your purpose is to glorify God. Your purpose is to reflect the love that's been shown to you by God. And that's easy, right? That's an easy principle. But there has to be some caution when you just jump up and say, yeah, I'll do that. Because what we're going to see today is Jesus talking to three different people who basically said, hey, my life is going to be about glorifying you and serving you. And Jesus had some words of caution as they sought to prioritize the things in their life. It was one thing to declare their purpose to be glorifying God. It was another thing to have priorities that lined up with it. Um, The other disclaimer is that I forgot to update the screen here. It says Matthew. It's really Luke. So your bulletins, if you're in the room, it should be Luke, it's not Matthew. My bad, my apologies. So Luke, <clears throat> Luke 9, verse 57. As they were walking along the road, Jesus and a group of disciples, a man said to him, I'll follow you wherever I, wherever you will go. And where they're walking from was up in the region of Galilee they were going down to Jerusalem and this was like yeah to Jerusalem where Jesus was going to suffer and die and on the way they they were kind of passing through the area of Samaria which is a good name for a band the area of Samaria and as they were traveling through there was some there was at least one town in Samaria that said you you don't belong here get out of here we don't want you here And it was after that rejection that we see three people come up to Jesus. And maybe they were well-intentioned. Maybe they were trying to boost his morale in case he needed it. I don't think he did. But they come up to him, and this man says, forget about them. I'll follow you wherever you go. And I think if you grew up in church, maybe around eighth grade, you said something similar. I'll be faithful. I'll go to church. I'll follow you wherever you go, Jesus. Jesus. I'll reject the devil and all of his threats and promises, and I will follow you wherever you go. And what would Jesus say to someone like that? You know, you walk up to Jesus and say, I'll follow you wherever you go. You're my purpose. Jesus would say, if, if I'm your purpose, then that should be reflected in your priorities. And so he gives this word of caution. He says, foxes have dens and birds have nests. Oh what? <laughs> Why is he talking about migratory animals? And what does this have to do with following him wherever he will go? Well, foxes and birds, they migrate, they move around. And a literal translation, as you look at the Greek that Luke, Luke wrote this in, uh, it's that foxes, there's holes that they can go to. Wherever they go, they'll find a hole, they'll find a place, and they'll live there. Birds, They can make a nest or they can find a dwelling place. They they can migrate across the world, but there will always be a place for them. You, you're probably expecting that wherever I go, you'll be taken care of and there will be maybe some compensation. But Jesus said this, when it comes to your priorities, just keep this in mind. The son of man has no place to lay his head. I have no Hotel Six. I have no Holiday Inn Express We are homeless, and if you want to follow me wherever I go, just know that I have nowhere to go. This is challenging something in me, and I think in a lot of you too, when it comes to what we expect when we set our purpose as glorifying God in our lives. You see, you might expect that someone who's giving their allegiance to Jesus should in some way be given a reward or a compensation or a boy. but Jesus is just very blunt. If you're with me, there might be nothing for you. And I usually approach it differently, and maybe you do too, where there's that voice inside that says, while God should be so pleased with me because of what I did, that this should happen for me. And here's the base root of it. At the very base root of it is, is pride. Pride says there must be something in it for me. But Jesus says those who want to follow me must pick up their cross to follow. Here's how I put it for number two if you want to take notes. Pride reverses priorities the way that they should be. Pride puts you on the top and everyone else on the bottom. Pride means that you are the one who is served and then people serve you underneath and then God finally should, carry, should, should make sure everything else is taken care of. Pride reverses the priorities. And if you want to get to the heart of the, the, the enemy, to your priorities, it really is pride. And pride isn't just you know, thinking highly of yourself. Pride is thinking too much about yourself. It's, it's making yourself the spotlight. And as Jesus was talking to people who really wanted their priorities to line up with his purpose, Jesus had to caution them, you need to get out of the way. So what do you need to get out of the way? How has pride, a focus on self, been reversing your priorities in your life? And would you keep that in mind as Jesus addresses two more people? Another person came up, um, again, Luke, Luke chapter 9, Jesus said to another man, uh, the first person came to Jesus. uh, In this one, Jesus like targets someone. Like he he basically scared off the crowd and he's, no one else? Okay, how about you? How about you? Follow me. But the man replied, Lord, but first, I will follow you, but first, let me go and, and bury my father. And if I were a pastor, and if I were telling someone, "Hey, could you volunteer? Could you help out this night?" and they're like, "Sorry, I, my my mom's being buried that day," I'd be like, "I'm so sorry." Hmm. Jesus should probably back up, right? Like, I'm sorry. I should have started with a question. I should have asked, "How are you doing?" How are you doing? And you know, any person with common sense would step back and say, "Anything I can do to help." I totally get it. You should go do that. That's important. But here's the thing with Jewish culture. Jewish culture would highlight this even more. According to Jewish culture, there was no one exempt from the Ten Commandments or the Torah or all the different customs and cultures and traditions that were built up around it, except for one of a few things and in the commentary I read this week, there's actually specific language that says, when it comes to the Torah and all the ceremonies and all the traditions, a person is exempt from that if they have to bury their dad. It was, it was the responsibility of a son to lay his father's body to rest. And so all the people listening would be like, well, of course, set everything else to the side. Bury your father. Tend to your family needs. But Jesus does not back down. He says, let the dead bury their own dead. That's not good counseling technique, is it? Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go proclaim the kingdom of God. Now, there's a lot of different interpretations about what Jesus meant by let the dead bury their own dead. And I'm not going to go through all of them because it's really not that important to figure out exactly what he means. In summary, what he says is, with me talking to this man, he says, "You can either go and serve those who are dead, or you can serve the one who's bringing life. Let the dead take care of themselves. We have a mission to bring life and hope to this world, and it won't last long. If if you back out now, you will miss your window of opportunity." So, follow me. Jesus would probably also, if he needed to clarify, he would say, look, I know that our tradition says that you should set everything else off to the side and focus on um, this funeral, but I say that there is something even more important than this funeral, and that's me. And that's me. Have you ever gone through a time like that where maybe you were in a good routine with reading the Bible or going to church or whatever spiritual discipline, maybe it's a generosity thing, and you said, you know what, this has been good, but I need need to focus on something else. I just need to sleep. I just need to have this time for something else. I need this money to go somewhere else. And you said, I'm just going to postpone this. I'll follow you, Jesus, but first let me go and take care of this higher priority. And I'm sure the entire world around you would say, yes, of course you would do that. Of course you should prioritize this other thing. Jesus can wait. But here's the caution we see from Jesus. Let nothing postpone your discipleship. The process by which Jesus draws you closer to himself and more in line with your eternal home. Let nothing postpone that. Whenever you start to say, I, I know the value of this, but first, you are postponing what God wants to do in you today. And Jesus cautioned people, if, if he really is your purpose and if glorifying God is your purpose in life, your priorities need to match up accordingly. Uh, another way to say this, and um, this is how we would maybe apply it today, is if you are going to mourn, you cannot mourn properly without Jesus being first. If you are going to celebrate, you cannot celebrate properly without having Jesus first. Whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, no matter what you do, if Jesus is not first, you cannot do it properly. And as we think about that, okay, so these are two tough cases where people said, I'll follow you, but, I'll follow you, but, and you'd think that people got the point by now, like, let's just lay off, you know, maybe he's, it's a bad day, and Samaritans just kind of got on his bad side, but there's a third person, and we learn so much from this, I'm so glad that Luke included it. Still another, a third person who didn't get the point said to him, I will follow you, Lord, but... I'm going to postpone it, but first, let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Sounds reasonable. You just wait here, Jesus, I'm going to go off and say goodbye. And now if, if they say goodbye, like Minnesotans do, like, <laughs> Jesus would be waiting a couple days. This has a remarkable similarity to what happens uh, what happened with Elijah and Elisha. And I don't need to fill you in all all the details. Elijah was a great prophet and God sent him to Elisha to basically bring him in as the next prophet of Israel. And so Elijah shows up, he says, Elisha, come with me. And Elisha is plowing his field and Elisha says, I'll come with you, but first let me go say goodbye to my family. And you know what Elijah said? Elijah said, what have I done? I'm sorry, go say goodbye to your family. And so Elisha had time to go say goodbye because priority was family and then Elijah. And now as someone says, I'll follow you, but hey, just like Elisha had to postpone it a little bit, let me go and say goodbye to my family first. Reasonable. Or is it? Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. No empathy. And again, one of these hard sayings of Jesus where it's like, what were you telling me to neglect my family, to follow you on some mission? You think I can't just say goodbye and catch up? And I think that's how this comes across to me. It's, it's basically a neglect of family. But Jesus is driving home a very important point for all of us. If, if your purpose really is to glorify God, then not even family should be the priority over your devotion to him. Here's how I might say it. You will neglect your family if you do not follow Jesus. Jesus. If you neglect Jesus, you will automatically neglect all the other callings in your life, whether that is as a parent or a teacher or a student or whatever it is. If you neglect to follow him, you will neglect every other area of your life. And so, number four, prioritize Jesus above everyone for the benefit of everyone. You can even change these to make it more specific. Prioritize Jesus above your kids for the benefit of your kids Prioritize Jesus above your spouse for the benefit of your spouse. You're not neglecting them by spending time with Jesus. You would be neglecting them if you neglect Jesus. These are, these are hard, man. I mean, if you, if you let this sink in, it's like, whoo, this is not easy to, to have this purpose of glorifying God, but then to have your priorities match up with it. Who could do that? And one thing I've, I wondered as I studied this text this week, it's so short, it's, it's only six verses long, but we don't get how they responded to Jesus' words of caution. It doesn't say that, hey, they went off and left him behind. It doesn't say how they decided to, you know, do they leave their family or do they follow Jesus? We don't get how they responded. We just don't know that part. But here's what we do know. We do know what our response has been. I know what my response has been. Before we can even talk about looking at the road ahead and how we chart out our priorities, I have to acknowledge the road behind, which is filled with debris and garbage and mistakes over my mismatched priorities because of my pride-focused purpose. What about you? As you look at the road behind, what do you see? Neglect of what is truly important? Priorities that are mismatched according to what Jesus leads us to see? As we look at the road behind, we might say, it doesn't matter how hard we try for the road ahead because the same thing is just going to keep happening over and over again. I told you this is going to be a tough message, but it's the truth. So what would Jesus say to that? What I find interesting is that Jesus gave these words of caution. He was actually in the process of bringing them to fulfillment. Remember, he was on his way to Jerusalem when he told people, the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. And this wasn't just a journeying through to get to Jerusalem. And eventually, he would find a house and there would be a place. But ultimately, his fulfillment of this was that He didn't even know where he would be on that cross. Ultimately, it would be a tomb that would be his resting place. And he knew that. The Son of Man has no place to lay his head, but ultimately they will lay my body in a tomb because that is my purpose. Not to put myself first, but to prioritize other people and the good of this world. And as Jesus was on that cross, what comes to my mind is when he said, let the dead bury their own dead. What's remarkable to me is that never once on that cross did he say, hey, hey Simon Peter, or hey, John, could you please you know, take care of my body? Could you, could you put me in this place? like It's real peaceful, and I've always had a special memory there. He didn't talk about his burial, but what did he talk about? He said, hey, John, would you take care of my mom? He was not concerned with his body. He was concerned with those to whom he was entrusted. And then finally, he said, whoever looks back is not fit to serve. And he knew that from personal experience. He did not look back to heaven and say, oh, I wish I could go back there. But rather, his eyes were on the road ahead because the road ahead included you. And so... He died on a cross. He died so that he could be punished for all of the garbage that is on the road behind us. He was punished so that all the sinfulness that we've accumulated in our lives can be atoned for, can be reckoned for, and so that when God looks at you, he doesn't see that. When God looks at your road behind, he sees a clear path because Jesus perfectly fulfilled it in your place. And this is where things completely turn around. You know, we've got all the wisdom, like how to prioritize and what our purpose is, but here's where the power comes in to make it all possible. God prioritized you. And in a choice that was entirely his to make, his purpose, his self-given purpose, is to love people like you and me. And God so loved the world that his priority was to send his son so that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. That is what changes the purpose for each and every one of us. So here's my question for you. What is your purpose in light of how God prioritized you? What is your purpose in light of the sacrifice that Jesus made for you and the grace that God poured out for you? And as you look at this, just think of one overarching answer that would fit your entire life. And I think there's some really easy answers. My purpose in life is to reflect the love that God showed to me. My purpose in life is to be a conduit that meets people where they're at but connects them with what God has done. My purpose is to share the good news that Jesus died and rose again so that people can be free and loved by God. That is our overarching purpose. But this week, I want you to make it a little bit more specific even than that. When it comes to your specific callings in life, what is your purpose? And you could write this. I think there would be power in it this week if you want to do this to write this out on a piece of paper, not just once, but several times, As a parent, my purpose is to meet the expectations of my kids, to make them successful, to lead them to heaven. What is your purpose as a parent? What is your purpose as a business owner? What is your purpose as as a spouse? What is your purpose in your your career or in in any uh, any of your callings? What is your purpose as an uncle? What is your purpose as an aunt? What is your specific purpose, and what are you trying to do? Because once you have that figured out, your priorities will fall into place. Not because you have to, but because you've been redeemed and placed on a new road. And ahead, there will always be uncertainties, and plans might have to go out the window, But when you recognize your purpose as God's child, it helps you to align your priorities in a way that will guide you through certain times and uncertain times alike. And that's where I want to leave you today. Next week, we're gonna get into a really interesting message that helps us get to that destination. Wherever you're trying to get to, we're gonna look at some godly principles that help us navigate this path to the future, to the purpose that God has for all of us. So today, let's close with a prayer. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the wisdom that you've given to us through your word today. I, I know that it worked so much in my heart this week, and I pray that as I shared this message from, from Luke, Luke, that it was something that spoke into the lives of the people who were able to watch and be here. Would you send your spirit into our hearts this week to give us wisdom to see the priorities that have been out of balance And as we notice those, also give us the wisdom to recognize where maybe our purpose needs to be adjusted. Fill us with the forgiveness, knowing that the the road behind us is cleared, it is perfect, it is holy and pleasing to you because of what Jesus did for us. And where we stand in the road today, we are loved by you, we're forgiven by you, and we have a purpose given by heaven itself. Fill us with that joy as we look to the road ahead so that with all joy and hope, we see that a life with you as the purpose is a life that is filled with joy and contentment. So give us your wisdom and give us your power this week. I ask that in Jesus' name. Amen.